Hey metalheads, you like tattoos? Of course you do. If you're in the Louisville, Kentucky area, come on over the bridge to Clarksville, Indiana and get you some ink done at Ageless Art. If ink isn't your thing, they have a piercing studio as well. Visit agelessartclarksville.com to see some frequently asked questions, meet the staff. The shop is open Monday through Thursday, 12 to 8 p.m., Saturdays, 12 to 10 p.m., and Sundays, 12 to 6 p.m., all appointment-only spots. You can set up your appointments by phone at 812-283-1793 or email agelessarttattooandpiercing at gmail.com and someone will get you set up for your first or your next tattoo or piercing. Hey, it's Jeff McNichol down here at Mom's Music, 1900 Melwood Avenue. I was just thinking, when I was a kid, the magic was at Frankfurt Avenue, the Mom's Music at Frankfurt Avenue, and I used to beg people to get a ride down there just to hang out with the guys and see all the cool gear. Now that I'm the owner of this store, it's like a dream come true. We're recreating the magic with the vibe that we used to have at the old store. We're carrying all the gear that you're going to possibly want. We're giving you the outstanding service and personal attention that you deserve. Yeah, so we've got the great guitar shop here. We're carrying USA Fender, USA Gibson, Paul Reed Smith, Gretsch, Jackson, Charvel, anything you could possibly want. We're going to have it for you. Mom's is and always will be Louisville's music store. Thank you for tuning in to The Metal Forge. I am Mark Jackson, and I am your host. The premise of the show is pretty simple. Awesome interviews and awesome music. If you want to contact me, hit me up at MetalForgeRadio at gmail.com or visit the website, MetalForgeRadio.com. And now, let's get this show on the road. What is going on, Metalheads? Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of The Metal Forge. My name is Mark Jackson, and I am your host. Wow. Such an awesome week. We're a couple weeks into March already, and here in the Louisville, Kentucky area, they're expecting some snow today, and it's just like, what? I thought me and Mother Nature, you know, come on, Mama, I thought we were over this. Let's get on with the springtime and the summer and the festival seasons, not all this snow shit again, come on. But anyway, today I have Andrew Colton from the awesome new wave of British heavy metal band Witchfind talking with me today. And such a super rad, down-to-earth guy. We recorded last Saturday, and he is such such a cool, like I said, rad, down-to-earth guy. It's when you get older and you've done some things in music where you've you just kind of been humbled by the industry, and it's not all-consuming of your life or anything like that, that I think you become a better person in general for the most part because there's a lot of things that you know that could have happened you know that there in this industry there is a lot of casualties and to be you know he's close to 70 years old and still alive with his issues and we'll talk about that later with him but yeah for sure super cool stuff but before we get into speaking with andro i do have another episode of athena's metal reviews 
Super cool stuff. Uh, today, she is going to be talking about Exile's Rip and Tear album, which you remember those guys. They were on last month. They released their album on February 25th. She's going to be coming up here shortly with that. I think we're going to do this before. So there is another cool thing that I want to like bring up and mention here. Wise Blood Records is a is a independent label based out of Indianapolis, Indiana. And for Bandcamp Friday, they started a four CD or four cassette tape subscription box for $20 on Bandcamp. And I did this. And it is super cool stuff. Like they have their own their label printed on the box. They just do it perfect. It's like the metalhead box for independent metal, which is super rad. You will get, they, anytime, if you've ever ordered anything from Wise Blood Records, they end up sending you a thank you card with a wax seal. And that is awesome to me because they take the time to thank you personally for purchasing and stuff. And, um, Sean, thank you so much for doing what you do for the independent music scene. So let's go ahead and check in with Athena here. Misfits and miscreants. Bangers and mashers, deviants and the deviated, the tormented and the fermented, ghouls and goblins, creatures of the night, jack those headphones, crank the volume to max, spark it up, and just relax. It's time for your deadly dose. Welcome to the second installment of Metal Mischief. My name is Athena, and I'm your host. It's time to put your metal to the pedal, this is Speed Thrash, straight from San Antonio, Texas. We have on our lineup today, Exile, and their new album, Rip and Tear. I tell you, man, right from the get-go, this album just has such a good, warm um, production to it. It just feels like some of those old thrash albums that we would put on and destroy our parents' living room to, you know, blame it on the fucking dog. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I digress. It just holds a lot of nostalgia for me in a way because it reminds me so much of, you know, that classic speed and thrash metal stuff. So if you're into that, then I think you're going to really dig this album. And why does it sound this way? Because it was mastered, mixed, and recorded by Roberto Canales. Again, please, folks, if I fuck up your name, I am so sorry. This was recorded at Red Barn Studios. And um, I guess maybe it's the barn wood that gives it some warmth and some texture. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, you know, it, and I, I keep wanting to go back to the word nostalgic because it makes me feel very nostalgic. But um, it's kind of like that in the way that you miss those dirty, cramped cigarette and marijuana filled basements as a teenager you know and it was like the local garage band just thrashing it out you know and it's like in the ymca or the basement of like your friend's house or some shit you know so that tends to kind of give me some poise with this album i i really enjoy it actually um it's got like smatterings of like black sabbath moments and some insanely fun guitar riffs I mean, everything in general is really good, but, you know, that, that speed guitar, you just, is so good. <laughs> uh, what else? Well, 
Okay, the opening. It's so cool, man. It reminds me of John Carpenter. It's like Carpenter-ish to open the album up, man. And you don't expect it to just, you know, pick up speed and <laughs> take off the way it does, which is so nice. You know, it adds to it for sure. Now, the track, Gone Again, which, let me look at my notes here. That is track number six. That's the only one on here that I feel is like just a, a little bit different than the rest of the album. Um, I think that comes because it feels more punk, like crusty punk vibes to it, you know. Um, I mean, I get it. Don't get don't get me wrong there. It's But it definitely like throws me off a little bit because it doesn't, to me, like flow with the rest of it. Maybe if it was at like at the end of the album. But anyway, that's my personal taste. <laughs> now also, my personal taste is my favorite track on this album. It's called Speed Demons, and that's track number two. And I didn't even have to look at my notes for that one because I got it memorized. Uh, <laughs> it just fucking shreds. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. It rips and tears your face straight off out the gate. This one just makes my blood move because it reminds me so much of like early Megadeth, honestly. Hold on, give me a second. Let me take a sip of my beer. <sighs> yeah, I mean, again, I'm, I'm going with that nostalgic feeling, but I love Megadeth. So that's nice. <laughs> this album was released on um, February 25th of this year. And, uh, I know that our lovely host, Mark, from the Metal Forge, did an interview with them not too long ago, and it was quite good. So you should backtrack, go look it up, and listen to that. Absolutely. And um, until you do that, I'm going to go ahead and let you meet the band. Again, please, if I butcher it, don't get mad at me. We can do shots and talk about it. <laughs> All right. Uh, and I have to read it just the way they put it on their band camp because it was just too much fun. Sync Keeper of Ravenous Motor Beats and the Keys, Jordan Hoffert. Four Stringed Black Thunder. Hold on. Let me start over. Four Stringed Black Thunder <laughs> and Lead Vocal Destruction, Austin James. And then we have the Hellish Blues Disturbance slash secondary overkill throat which that's probably my favorite line in that whole thing is secondary overkill throat fuck yeah it's so good and that is big joe aguilar ha i think i got that one all right and then we have quentin sarina and jordan hoffer again keys and scents again back to that really awesome like halloweenish opening to the album Man, it's one of those, yeah I, yeah, I can't wait for it to be warm enough outside so I can just wait and, like, roll around, the windows down, and this blaring in my car. So, that's my review. It's a very good album. And, you know, again, if you are into thrash and speed and you just want your face ripped and torn, then I would definitely pick up this album at your nearest store if they are in stores. I don't know, everything's fucking online now. Do we even put shit in stores anymore? Huh. I don't know. Buy it at the next show you catch him at. <laughs>
Which I'm excited to see these guys live for real. Alright. This is Athena's shot review. Now, I know this is only the second time around, so I'm just gonna bore you guys with the details again. I do five shot review instead of a five star review. Now, my system is a little bit backwards there. I start with five shots. That means I needed five fucking shots to get through the motherfucker. <laughs> oh, man, if I had time to do five shots through this album without banging my head and enjoying it, then I'm sorry, you get five shots. All right, four shots. Meh. Could have used some oomph. Mm, pretty self-explanatory. Three shots. Good. It made me air drum and bang my head. Fuck yeah. Two shots. Really good. Put that shit in the glove box for traveling. And one shot. Excellent. I'll probably have a bangover in the morning. So, here is Athena's shot review for the new Exile album, Rip and Tear. One shot. Most excellent. I'll probably have a bangover in the morning. Hope you guys have enjoyed your time with me. And until we meet again, have a most excellent time. And remember, men, keep it heavy. Dude, Athena, thank you so much for reviewing the new Exile Rip and Tear. It is such a fucking killer album. I love it. I couldn't have said it any better. It is definitely a one-shot deal for me, too. That it's just awesome thrash that's so reminiscent of old school. It kicks so much fucking ass. Thank you. So let's go ahead and get in to this with which find. And how about are we going to do it? Because we're getting ready to roll.
All right, Metalheads, I've got Andrew Colton here on the line. And you might know this guy. He was in the band Witchfind, and now he's doing a 40th anniversary Give em Hell release of, of some stuff. Dude, Andrew, how you doing, man? I'm doing fine, thank you, Mark. Absolutely great. Yeah, and this is always fun. I always enjoy getting to talk to people overseas because, you know, I talk to so many people in North America that it's still a real treat for me to be able to talk to people in the United Kingdom and and so on and so forth. So how's everything over there right now with everything going on? Yeah, it's a bit um, it's a bit bad uh, in the way that um, we've really suffered music-wise with uh, COVID. Everything just shut down. Um, Brexit has not also made it very difficult because we can't even get into Europe at the moment. Uh, whereas before we got free sort of travel into, into Europe, we now have to do carnets and work permits and all sorts. And we were allowed, I think it's 30 days a year, uh, for, for we can actually work for free in the EU. Uh, whereas before it was, I could say, you could just go in any time you wanted. So, yeah, things have been a little bit difficult in, in the way of doing music. But, uh, yeah, we, we survive and uh, things are back on the go. Like I say, we've got um, yeah, shows are beginning to come back and uh, people are actually getting a little less frightened of um, catching COVID and actually coming out and seeing people play. Right. It seems to be like over here, there's been a lot of ramp up on tours and so on, especially since probably about November. There have been a lot sure. more tours coming up where a lot of these bands have just been able to say, screw it. We're going on the road. We're, we've got to, yeah. we've had too long of, you know, not making any money and not getting our, our product out there. And now it's time to do it again. Yeah. That's, that's right. Yeah. We've, um, we were due to do um, a spate of gigs at the back end of last year, and they all got cancelled mainly because people were not buying advanced tickets at all. So I think it was six or seven. They had one every weekend in December uh, right up to New Year, and all of them were cancelled pretty well at the last minute, mainly by the venues because of course ticket sales. Right. Because nobody wanted to go out. Right. And that's something like where on a two different levels of musician, where when you're just playing shows when you're young, just to just to have people show up and see what they like. But then when you get to an established name and you've got to have a, a ticket sale or an advanced ticket sale or anything like that. Sure. Yeah. And then when it doesn't happen because of something like a COVID happening or, you know, a natural disaster or whatever you want to say. It, I, I imagine it's extremely hard to be in that position. Yeah, um, there's a lot of people who um, who are yeah, professional musicians, and it was very, very difficult to get any help from anywhere in, in the way of you know loans or I mean, because we the government gave uh, small businesses uh, loans to you know, to get them through the COVID period, but for musicians it was very, very difficult. And a lot of people, a lot of, you know, a lot of people had a lot of mental issues. You know, their mental health went down the hill. And I've got friends who live not too far away and they were really on the edge because they couldn't, they, they, there's nothing they could do. Right. Because most musicians haven't got, even got home, uh, studios. So they couldn't even make, make music. 
So, um, but I mean, I'm lucky I can, but uh, a lot of people couldn't. So, yeah, there's been a lot of it's been a very hard period for the last two years. We did manage to get um, our 40th anniversary of uh, Give Them Hell single out, luckily, in between, because I say we used a studio for the drums in April 2020, I think it was. And we then got most of the guitars and everything done uh, at home in our home studios, and then we carried on with, got the vocals done at a studio when they reopened uh, in summer 2020, and then um, released it in the August. But uh, since then, of course, we've we've had it here where we've shut down, we've got open again, we've been shut down. It's been very difficult. And of course, some venues, you had to even prove that you'd had been vaccinated before they even let you in. Right. So that again caused a lot of problems. And <laughs> yeah, it's been a funny old time. I've never known anything like it. Oh, no, none of us have. And which is always interesting to me, like, because in America, it seems like there is a, a, a particular group of people that are so anti-vaccination. Yeah. And, and just like they feel like it's an uh, infringe on their rights and, and stuff like that. Yeah. And no, I we've got them out. Do you all have people like that yeah. over there too? Yes, we do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I just, I don't get it. Um, I don't understand people I, like that. <laughs> yeah. I don't either, but um, my brother was, um, he was a research uh, doctor. He worked at Imperial College in London and uh, elsewhere. And he actually, Work with the guy at Imperial College that, um, it, you know, actually invented the protocols for the Pfizer jab. So, and he left there 20 years ago. So this is not a new thing like they keep saying. And it's, it's all brand new. This RNA thing is not a brand new science. It's been around, but of right. course, we've not, we've not needed it. And the actual things it can do is, I mean, I had cancer in 20, I was diagnosed with cancer in 2017, um, myeloma, bone marrow cancer, sorry. Right. And for things like that, the RNA, because it targets specific things, is a great thing for the future. But the point is, we all had vaccinations when we were children and we're still here. Right. I've seen, uh, I've seen that what polio can do to people that didn't. Um, I don't know if you know the band Ian Jury and the Blockheads from the 70s. But he had polio. He got withered arm. He got you know a little tiny hand. Um, he was you know crippled by it because we had vaccinations. We haven't got it. Right. You can't kill things off. You know if people don't behave. I mean, I saw uh, an advert for the Spanish flu in San Francisco in what was it 1918, and they were saying exactly the same thing to people as it were for the COVID virus. That please take the vaccine. It won't kill you. And it, and it virtually word for word what, what was put on, you know, on each government was saying about the, um, the COVID vaccinations. Right. I've had, Absolutely. I've had three fully vaccinated. I mean, the point is it, it leaves so much paranoia behind now. It's uh, a bit crazy. Welcome to the night. You think you know Night Demon? Then the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast is for you. Step into the darkness as we peel back the curtain to give you an unprecedented, all-access look into the mind and the heart of the demon. We're talking band history, song analysis, studio anecdotes, stories from the road. It's everything a diehard Night Demon fan could want and more. This is the only place to learn the inside scoop, the deep dive trivia, 
the untold tales from the band members themselves and those closest to the Night Demon story. Need more? The sacred Night Demon crypt will be pried open to reveal demo recordings that have never before seen the light of day, all with in-depth commentary by the band and the people who were there for the writing and recording process. This is a gold mine, a treasure trove of all things Night Demon. Head over to nightdemon.net or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, Metalheads, it's with great pleasure I get to tell you guys about a new sponsor to the Metal Forge, Ageless Art, New Albany. After 20 years of owning and operating Ageless Art in Clarksville, Indiana, Phil Garrett had a vision for a new type of tattoo studio, something that is clean and modern, sleek, refined, inviting. And he's done just that with Ageless Art in New Albany. You can find it at... 2736 Charlestown Road, New Albany, Indiana, 47150. Business hours are Monday through Saturday, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. Sundays are 12 to 6. All sessions are appointment only, so give them a call and go get you some new ink. Or if it's your first time, go get your first one, baby. Hey guys, Wrestling Steve of the Wrestling Steve Show here. Uh, so if you're currently listening to the Metal Forge with Mark Jackson, then you understand that Mark Jackson has a pretty discerning taste when it comes to music as a whole. You also understand that he has a discerning taste for professional wrestling, just like me. The, my show is called The Wrestling Steve Show. Uh, I talk about modern and classic pro wrestling in a completely unbiased, unfiltered way. Be sure to check me out on all available podcasting platforms. That is The Wrestling Steve Show. And I am the host, Wrestling Steve. Just remember, uh, like like Confucius said, uh, man who goes through turnstile in Thailand uh, is going to Bangkok. Pro wrestling. A minute ago, you did mention the 40th anniversary single of "Give 'Em Hell." Yeah, which yeah. is why why we're um, here. So I've always I've found out about Witch Find about 20 years ago. I was in a used CD shop and I saw it and I bought it based on the cover. I was like, man, this looks awesome. And I popped it in the yeah. CD player in the car as soon as I got out there. And I was just like, this is really rad stuff. Why the, why the 40th anniversary release? Um, basically, because I left Witchfind in 1980 after we toured with Dad's Leopard around this time. Uh, if we started in January, halfway through January, did all February with them, and the last gig was the 1st of March. During that, we'd signed with a little tiny label called Rondelay to release Give Em Hell. By the third gig of the tour with, uh, with supporting Def Leopard, we were, they were approached by EMI to buy us out of our contract with Rondelay, which only had six months left to run because it was from September 1979 to September 1980. Rondelay wanted so much money to buy us out, out that uh, EMI walked away. Oh. By, the end of, by the end of the tour, every major label in the UK had approached Rondelay and then walked away. At that point, I knew which find as going forward to be at the level of Iron Maiden and Def Leppard and all the rest. It was dead. There's nowhere else to go because we stuck in this silly little contract um, for another few months, which proves the point. 
I stayed on till July and then we came, uh, the management straight, Rondelay came in and said, it's not working. I said, no. I said, to be honest, I've had enough. Just let me go. I've had enough. Can't stand it anymore. Uh, things were beginning to fall apart between us. And, uh, like with it, I did three, recorded three tracks for the second album, Stage Fright, and I wasn't even acknowledged even playing on it. In fact, the single in the stars has got a picture with the, the next, you know, with the next bass player on it. And he never played a note on it from oh. uh, on either side. I played all the bass on that on in the stars and wake up screaming on that. So you can understand that it was a bit of an acrimonious end to things. Um, it also meant that I couldn't listen to <laughs> I never listened to any of which rise music for approximately 20 years. So the idea was and then which fine Montalo and Gray um, decided, I think it ran 20, uh, 1999 to 2000 to reform. And uh, I was the only original member that never got asked. So obviously that didn't go down too well. The And also the original, you know, Steve Bridges, the original singer, he wouldn't do it because he's now a lay preacher with the Church of England, believe it or not. And uh, he's also married to Shazza's sister, so we're brother-in-laws now as well. I did other band, because after which I did a project called Malleus, um, which was me. Uh, a Shaz and a another at the time, and we really we actually recorded four songs, which never really never got released, and then I sort of left the industry for a while. But in two thousand and six, I think it was, a guy came to where I was working, and we got talking, and he owned a small studio, and he said, "Oh, which fine?" And came back the next day with all this stuff he printed off from the internet, so you know that we'd uh, we'd uh, sort of influenced Metallica, Bauhaus. Also, all loads and loads of different bands, and um, it sort of got me back into it again. Uh, so I did a solo album called Dragonhead, which mainly demos, um, and then we formed a band uh, called ZXY and did a lot of the the, the uh, Malia stuff, but did it with no lead guitar. I did all the lead breaks and everything on bass and using an octave pedal, and uh, so that I could. Uh, make a totally different new sound. And people are going, oh, why don't you do Witch Find? Why don't you do Witch Find? And I'm saying, well, I don't know. There is a Witch Find. I don't know how they'll feel about me doing a Witch Find. And it sort of came to a head around the time. Um, I just got Malleus going again, really, and two, when I got um, got told I got cancer. So I had to sort of leave it for six months or so. Um, we eventually recorded an album, got it released on Golden Core Records, and it sort of got very good reviews. But then we got offered this gig in France, and they wanted us to do it as Witchfind. So I just caught it, actually, at the time, Andrew Colton's Give Them Hell. And the idea was that as a celebration of the 40th um, anniversary of Give Em Hell, we do our own, you know, do a version of it. And it's totally different, really, to the original. As things have gone since then, um, I'm now, apart from the lead guitar, it's got a totally different band to what's on that single. I've got a totally different singer who sounds more like Steve. We've got a fantastic drummer. Um, who called Rob, who is um, in another band, but uh, they aren't doing a lot. So he says, yeah, I'll play with you. And he's really, really good. He's, he's a fantastic drummer. And we get on really well. So we are, will be doing, as of 10th of February, uh, sorry, 10th of March onwards, 
we will be doing four gigs just to get this lineup finally out on the road. Um, and then we've got a break because we've, I booked a holiday, well, for the family to go to Florida in 2020. And we still haven't got there yet. Oh, so, yeah. so we're going sort of April, May time for three weeks, uh, to meet friends that I've got in Florida. Then we've got a full UK tour in, uh, July, August. And that covers the whole entire, uh, of the UK in every country, Scotland, Ireland, Wales, and Definitely. obviously England. So we've got a lot going off. There's a lot going off behind. I've also been, uh, found a, through a, a long time fan from back in the seventies, uh, a full concert of, uh, which find that's never been released of our place we used to play all the time called the Brimington Tavern in Chesterfield from 1978. And there's four songs on there that neither Steve or I could even remember. We didn't, <laughs> we'd done. And, uh, so I've got now enough material of which find songs that have never been recorded in the studio. Which is so going to be very is, interesting. Yeah. So it's, uh, I mean, I've got, uh, and also we will be the only version of which find that will be playing live. I can't tell you the reason why, but they've, the other guys have had to, through illness, mm. have had to cancel all their gigs for the foreseeable future. Um, I can't say any more than that because it's, that's... um, it's a bit confidential, but well, I'm still friends with the guys. I mean, we've all made kissed and made up from this, from back in 1980 and we do talk to each other. We do get, you know, we get royalties and stuff. It's, um, it's not a case that we hate each other's guts anymore, which is, good. um, there's no, there's, there's no point, you know, we're too old as, as the, the other, this, uh, Pete Sergi, the second, um, Bass player said, you realize that this was back in the eighties. We'd be out in the car park now, sort of, uh, you know, sorting it out, but you know, in, having a fight. I said, yeah, probably so, but I haven't got the energy for all that anymore. No, hell no. Um, I just want to give them hell on stage while I still can. Exactly. And, uh, that's the idea. We, we intend to give people a show and we just want to give as many people around the world, which fine and get it as high as we can before we can't do it anymore. We are a little bit of a, a secret that you can, that you are the first pe- person outside of a very few people to know that we are at the moment trying to get a, an American tour for next year. Nice. That would be amazing. At the moment. Yeah. That, um, we've also got contacts in Canada, uh, and the various places, obviously in the EU as well. Um, because I just want people to hear it. I know we've got, we've got, uh, fans all over. The US got guys who are in the twenties. He was going, wow, we find that absolutely brilliant. And then going, and we have massive conversations on, on, on messenger. And what did Montalo play? You know, what uh, pedals did he have? What, you know, what uh, amps did he use? What did you use? And uh, all the rest of it. And they're really keen. And it's great. Also that we're going back to the influence thing. They're, they they have a band and they're influenced by what we did and and um which find a general and all these other new wave British metal bands and these young ones are influenced by us right where you know and it's great I mean there's a guy oh, I know in Italy he friended me on Facebook and said that Give Him Hell was not um just an influence on his music career but his entire life and if i've done that for one person then my you know my life's complete sort of thing it's a case of i do this you like it you're influenced by it 
Yeah, it's your turn to carry the torch. Exactly. Carry it on. I 100% agree with that right there. Because if you can influence just even one fan out of the 6 billion or 7 billion people on the earth, yeah, as an artist, my job is is done. Yeah, of course, I'd love to do that with all however many billion people are here. But, you know, even if it's just one, that is so fulfilling at the end of the day. Sure. Yeah, and of course, to say with with it sort of ending abruptly as it did uh, in 1980, the idea is to take it on from that position and make and go even higher than it was before. Absolutely. And uh, hopefully that will happen. You know, we've got um, we've got management, we've got say everything that we really need. And I'm at an age now where I don't need to go to any you know to a, a nine to five job. Music is my life. Right. <laughs> And that's, that's the, the, the good part about it is that you don't have to rely on, well, I don't know if I could get off work for this X amount of time sure. to go to her. So yeah, it's yeah. just, that's one of the things I want to always try to say to younger listeners out there is take that chance and go on tour when you are still young enough to do it. Because yeah. you can always, you can always get a job and work when you're older. Sure. You don't always yeah. have the chance to go on tour when you're older. No, I mean we we were um, Steve and I when in 1979 were both working. Um, when we signed the contract, we were still working, and suddenly in January 1980, Rondelay Records came to a gig that we were doing and said, "Go to work tomorrow and pack." And tell them you're, you're quitting your job. Uh, well, you're supposed to give a week's notice. I had sort of, sort of went and spoke and said what had happened. And the, luckily the, the, the company said, uh, that's no problem. Good luck to you for the future. And no worries. We'll sort your pay out and everything else. And I, did, I walked out there and then I went straight out and we went to a, a, a big music store called, uh, Cosby Sound Center in Mansfield. And, um, we bought on, I bought a new jazz bass and, uh, we bought various bits of equipment, uh, because this was like Tuesday, Thursday of the same week. We were traveling up to Edinburgh to stop overnight because the first gig with Def Leppard was in Aberdeen at the north of Scotland. And that was it. We're now a professional musician. Wow. Not that he got paid a lot, but uh, that's how it happened. And, uh, you know, then you were sort of mixing with the likes of uh, Pete Mensch, you know, uh, Lieber Krebs and Def Leppard and A&R men. And it was a totally different world. So Not exactly the, the yellow brick road at times, but there right. you go. So let me ask you about that. Before that happened, before um, they sure. came in and said that, hey, go in tomorrow and quit your job because we're putting you on the road with Def Leppard. Had you all done any kind of extensive touring before that? Did you do like more than just like a Friday and Saturday gig? Or did you do like three, four, six days in a row any any time before that? The only time was when you we did sort of mini tours of the northeast of England around Newcastle upon time. Um, they would get you in a club gigs and they would be, you get five or six. I mean, it, sometimes you play twice a day. We played Saturday, uh, Sunday lunchtime, um, at one club and then played in the evening, uh, at another place. But normally, um, most of the gigs in the UK at that time were, were weekend Fridays and Saturdays. Um, but we used to play virtually every weekend and we didn't stop in one particular place. We, Apart from London, which was extremely difficult to get into, um, we played everywhere from Canterbury in the south, 
uh, we've actually played on the south coast, just near um, Southampton, and all the way up to say to Newcastle. We played in Wales. We played in Liverpool, Manchester, all over the place in the, in East Anglia, Norwich, and Ipswich, and um, anywhere so that you could find. We, it sounds like anywhere that because what we used to do this be a, a music paper every um, came out every week called the Melody Maker, and in the back of that was a gig guide. No, and also the gigs it tells you who was on, where it was, and a telephone number, which made it very easy to get new gigs without having to use agencies or anything like that. And Montalo wasn't working, so he, he could run it from his house, basically, and get us all the gigs, and that's what we did. And um, so, yeah, mo- most weekends we were out at playing at least one or two night, uh, nights a week. And when we didn't, we always rehearsed midweek on a Wednesday in the evening and all day Saturday if we hadn't got a gig. And that's how we could produce so much material. Right. I mean, there, there is actually more, um, cause I don't know if you've seen when we first started in 1975, we, we produced, um, um, a demo of five songs that we'd done from back from then, and which I released, um, I think it's 2014 or 15 as the lost tapes. And we didn't get anywhere. We actually walked around all the stu- uh, the major labels in, in London, um, one particular day and we got interviews with certain people and it was rejected by everybody basically. And, uh, so we threw all those songs away. Now there's a load more songs there that have never again have been played live, have never been again played. And there was also two other songs, uh, one of which was the Telestide, which is the, um, one of the, uh, bonus tracks on the CD version of Give Em Hell that, uh, there's another version of that that were recorded in 1977 along with a song called Valkyrian Ride, which again, apart from that demo, was, has never been done in a studio. Plus, I got in contact with well, fans contacted me, and I don't know if you saw there was a live sacrifice album from from Ipswich uh, that came out on vinyl, and um, the guy who actually recorded that on you know, on the tape recorder on the on the, on the pub table sort of thing, he um, I sent me a, the, the full CD off that, which the sound isn't too bad, and he sent me a copy of. The four songs that we, I forgot we'd even done four songs that those two I just mentioned were on. And there's, there's yet another version of, of Wake Up Screamer and another version of Unto the Ages of the Ages that I didn't even realize that we'd recorded. Cause it's, I mean, we're talking a long time ago. Right. I've got quite a lot of material now. And I mean, I've got an hour and a 20, I think it's an hour and 26 minute full concert, um, that I can put out as, as a live album. Uh, the sound quality is really good. I've sort of, Boom, I put it onto, onto my computer and the studio and limited it and done various trickery with it. And it sounds for, you know, for what it, how it was recorded, it sounds really awesome. And, um, I think of putting that out as a, as an album later in the year, along with, um, one that we will be recording as soon as possible. So that's, that's pretty well where we're at at the moment. But yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of witch fine stuff that was completely forgotten. Hey, it's Mark Maxwell at Maxwell's House of Music. Listen, all this stuff is now available to purchase on our website. Check it out at maxwellshouseofmusic.com. We carry all the top brands, like Fender. We got Gibson. We also have basses. We've got ukuleles. We've got drums. We've got sound gear. 
we've got keyboards. It's going to get weird as the name of the podcast. We're on season two. So you have a whole season to get weird with Frank Green and Scott Clark. The best part is there's always laughter. We have national touring comedians, NFL stars, rock stars, your local friends. It always gets weird. Weird answers. Have y'all ever snorted coke off of a 78 Pinto? No? You ain't no Man. Weird questions. Who had a bigger cocaine habit, Jock Sutherland or Kaywood Ledford? <laughs> Neither one, because they stopped beating their wives. <laughs> and weird, we never even thought of. Well, no, my friend is on acid, and I sent my friend to go find a payphone so that I can call and turn myself in for murdering this guy and ruin my life. We love all types of people, but we don't love all people. <laughs> weird. Right. It's gonna get weird. Is the name of the podcast available everywhere? And thank you to Big X Sports Radio for being a proud sponsor of It's Gonna Get Weird. Frank Green, Scott Clark. Yeah. But I do want to switch gears here, and I want to ask some general profile questions about sure, yeah, you sure. as a person. Yeah. And, you know, just like I like to know what makes people tick. You know, we're all artists. <laughs> we're all musicians. Sure. Uh, are you currently reading anything? I'll be honest, no. I, do, I haven't had the time, to be perfectly honest. I've got a lot of things that are, are on um we are sort of refurbishing where we live and i'm doing it mostly myself and having the um and having sort of as part of my myeloma because it gives you um broken bones right it, it sort of gives you osteoporosis was the word i was looking for um i ended up with five compression fractures on my back oh my god um I uh, jumped off a little wall about three foot high and bent knees, everything ended up on the floor and it got worse and worse. And I've got, uh, I think it's two sacral and three lumbar vertebrae that um, pretty well smashed. I mean, the, one of the bottom ones that took the full impact, um, it was just missing on one side. The, um, there's nothing much they can do about it, but, uh, so a little bit at a time, I'm refurbishing the house and we've had a, um, what we, a loft conversion. We've had another story put on top of the house and various bits. Oh, wow. So reading it hasn't been, and I'm trying to promote the band and all the rest of it as well. So not a lot. I find that I get three quarters through a book and then sort of forget I've read it, but, uh, well, I used to be, I used to read a lot of fiction. Um, I mean, obviously, um, I used to read a lot of Michael Moorcock's. He's been into Hawkwind a lot, but in my early twenties and, um, stuff like that. And of course, Lord of the Rings. Oh, um, of course. And stuff like that. But, well, uh, not a lot recently. Well, since you haven't really been reading anything and you said you've been, uh, making improvements to the house. Yeah. Uh, have you learned any new skills with within doing any of that stuff? Not really, because I was I've been lucky in the fact that I am good with my hands. I'm on the autistic spectrum. I'm very good at, at logical things, and um, I've had various careers. I've, I started out at the at, um, working on the railway, as we call it, railroad. Uh, at the locomotive works in Derby, where I, I, I was born, um, became a sort of diesel engineer, um, electrician. I've uh, been a hydraulics engineer, 
I've um, then I ended up as a multi-skilled uh, maintenance engineer doing uh, mechanical and electrical. I've worked in schools. I've worked in food industry. <laughs> so wow. most of the electricals and the plumbing and all the rest of it, I've got the full skills to do it. And I really don't see the point in paying somebody else. When it comes to sort of fitting stairs and a new floor in the house, somebody else can do that. I'm not that skilled. And especially with the bad backs, it takes me sort of like, like today, I've wired, I've, I've taken cable through from, um, from the, uh, input from the, you know, uh, from the supply all the way through for a shower through the house, through under the floor, up with a little help from friends, from a shower and my daughter and through up into the bathroom. And, um, that's enough for today because my back's killing me and, uh, that's what, and I can't move around it with a band so much now as I used to right. do because it hurts all the most of the time. I have, to, I have to play it very, very light basses. <laughs> yeah, and any if you have any kind of Gibson, it's not gonna not gonna be conducive to because <laughs> they're so heavy. Oh no, I couldn't imagine. Uh, do you listen to any song in particular before you play a show? Um, usually nothing. Usually nothing. Interesting. Yeah, um, it's I, going into I that actually, clear space. Yeah. I tend to um, like to be on my own for a little bit to get, not in the same way. I don't know if you've seen the film Still Crazy, which uh, there's a lot of truth in that film. Um, it's a British film. If you haven't, it's well worth watching if you can find it. It's... Uh, it's very, very true about a band that, that reforms. Let's put it that way. Um, and the singer, he sits, he stands there looking in the mirror telling himself how good he is. Not that it's just like to bring myself into the zone. Um, I'll go back into the danger room, get ready, then get and make sure everybody's organized and make sure everything's done. And then we have a definite sort of stage thing that we come on to. I mean, we've got, for the show, we've got, um, we have, we, I've got an intro, which is the start of Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath. And mm. um, we get, to, we get to the point where we come on in black. Um, we have a pulpit and a, and a book, um, which is supposed to be the grimoire of the book of spells. Um, we have, she has come on with a, with a cape, with a hood, black cape on. And when it get, when Ozzy sings, uh, what is this that stands before me, a figure in black? You just point to somebody in the audience. Um, by that point, we should have the guitars ready and everything else, and then we come on. But we've got two massive columns at the side of the stage with school and life-size schools on them. We've got flame effects. We've got banners. We've got – so the idea is to give somebody a show, not just come on, oh, we're which, fine, blah, blah, blah and do that that yeah we want to make people remember it when we come out on stage so that's that's it basically don't listen to um i'm very funny about listening to music because i find if i'm trying to write especially i don't want to be influenced by what somebody else has written right. i want it just to come from from within um so i've got I tend to listen to something once and then leave it alone for a while. But when I was young, I used to just play rec uh, play you know, an album, record, and just wear it out. Um, such ones as, uh, I mean, I was an absolute Frank Zappa nut 
and still am really right. But because uh, you can't go um, wrong with Frank. No, I mean I was fifteen when I was sort of in, in uh, sort of. Uh, I was at my cousin's and he got um, we're only in it for the money, and I just kept playing that record. And along with that, of course, I'm, I'm 15 years old and I'm also listening to Trap Mass Replica, Captain Beefheart. And pop music after that doesn't really come, you know, it's sort of gone. Right. So, uh, and then, of course, the, yeah, after that, so, yeah, I got into the uh, into Cream, um, of course. Yeah, I'm quite old. I'm <laughs> not that much younger than Lemmy was when he, when he died. And uh, anyway, he, so... I got into that sort of music and uh, you've got Cream, you've got then Led Zeppelin came along and uh, all the others and then Hawkwind and then I just, Lemmy's bass playing just blew me away. Um, I listened to, uh, I bought Do Re Mi Fa So La Ti Do um, and um, put on Brainstorm and that was it for me. That was, that was bass playing. Right. You know, I looked like Jack Bruce and I like Chris Squire and a lot. But I like those melodic bass players, like Geezer Butler, you know, they don't just play ba-bam, 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 you know, they fill in melody and put a lot of stuff in it. And that influenced me. And the other one was, um, I like, was Grand Funk Railroad because it became, bass was virtually the main instrument for most of it. Luckily, I got to see them live. But uh, so that's where everything sort of started from. But that, that's the sort of music. But as of now, um, I've listened to the, uh, a band that, you know, somebody will say, oh, I've listened to these. And I think, yeah. I mean, I like uh, Dead Daisies, not particularly this new version of them, but I like the version before. And um, I bought their album. But um, I don't know. It's funny. I think the older you get, the weirder you get with, with listening to music. But, oh, absolutely. Uh, I seem to I... have enough time of the day. You know, people say, oh, you get older, you've got all this time. But you don't. No. I know where it all goes. It's just... Well, I, mean, one thing is, I think if you're a working stiff like I am, it, it goes a lot of it to there. And then yeah. and then you've got to find out how you can structure everything, you know, and and sure. I don't have I don't have kids or anything. So if you've got kids, it's gone. Time is gone yeah. for you. I mean, you've got you've got to do everything that they have to have done if they if they play sports when they're in school or if they have if they have anything after school that they have to do, you got to do it. Yeah, so that's where the time goes. I get that. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Let me tell you about the new sponsor to the Metal Forge, Unchained Tapes. They're an independent Pennsylvania tape label. They focus on extreme metal and punk with a killer approach to the tape scene. Visit their web store at unchainedtapes.bigcartel.com now to get your fill of tapes. And for being a Metal Forge listener, enter the code METALFORGE10 at checkout to get a 10% discount on your total purchase. That's unchainedtapes.bigcartel.com. Hey, let me tell you guys about Mercenary Press. They're an independent London label and distributor of all things metal. Mercenary Press delivers the goods from their own independent zine. Trust me, you're going to want to get in on that. To distributing various bands from all over the world, including Cramp from Spain and Sadistic Force from Texas. 
visit mercenarypress.bigcartel.com to find out what all they have in stock and what you can order. And for Metal Forge listeners, enter code METALFORGE to receive a discount on your total purchase at mercenarypress.bigcartel.com. Check it out now. Since 2013, there has been a calling from the underground, from the graves of all those unholy, and they decided to make a zine to talk about all of this. Soul Grinder Zine, an independent metal zine to keep you informed on all things metal and horror from the underground. Available in both print and digital formats, they're bringing you the best interviews and reviews out there today. Not only do they do the zine, but they also do compilation CDs. Check them out at facebook.com slash soulgrinder.zine and start your subscription now. This this has been an awesome interview this week because this has been a total school session for a lot of people, I think, you know, where it's just like, I've definitely, you know, the theatric part of rock and metal performances is something Mm -hmm. that went away in, in probably the, the, the early nineties. And then all of a sudden, yeah, everybody might've had a stage like, like banners and backdrops and stuff, but actually doing nice, cool effects and stuff. I don't think in rock and metal, we didn't get anything like that again until like Rammstein came along. Yeah. I mean, I think they take it a bit far. I mean, it's, sometimes you can get yeah. a bit <laughs> But I mean, the, but the bands like Iron Maiden, who and, who and Judas Priest, who always have had that that stage yeah. presence, that that show to to accompany their music. That's where yeah. everything. That's where I wish more bands could do that yeah. today. I mean, it's like it's like the old blood capsules and all the rest of it. You know. Um, People do enjoy it. They, you know, they want to, to feel that they've paid whatever money it is. I mean, um, whether it be a pound, a dollar, or a hundred dollars, or a hundred pounds, right. they want to feel that they, they've um, they've got their that, money's they, worth. That, they've got that money. They've got that money's worth, and it's worth um, doing that, going that extra mile. Um, we intend to do more. We we were even sort of of doing uh, of doing visuals as well, you know, and having projectors and all the rest of it. Things that we talked about in Witch Farm, but we never really got to that point because, and also the technology back in the day, you know, it was a few flash bombs and that were it, you know, that was about as much as you could do. But uh, I mean, we used to do under the age of the ages, and we had. Um, in fact, it was uh, Montalo's dad and his uncle. They bent a load of tubal and made a stand. And we used to have an incense bowl and an incense burner lit. And we used to put in, pour incense into the bowl in the middle of onto the age of the ages and make it like a ritual. And we used to have, you know, witches' brooms on stage. And but it all makes for a show, right? It, so it reminds me of the story. When when you're talking about like the incense burner, it yeah. reminds me of the story from Hawkwind that Lemmy told about they used to lock the doors in 
and uh, give people and spike the drinks with acid and stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah another, another, another one by them is uh, Little Emmy used to say, that, you know, I don't even know, Dick Mick used to oh, be yeah. on audio generator. Yes. And, and he could turn it down so people would virtually shit themselves. And, and, and hallucinate, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, yeah, um, I don't, I don't, do you know Dibs from Hallwind? I was with them for quite a while, left in 2017. He's a good friend of mine. Um, okay. Yeah, he's, he's in Hallwoods now. And, uh, <laughs> in fact, he, he lives about half an hour up the road from us here. Uh, he's a great guy, but, uh, yeah, so I've still got the contact with Hallwind. <laughs> nice. And, we, and, and it's such a great, such a great band. Yeah, I know. Um, I can tell you a funny. I'll tell you a story about Lemmy. He came to see us play at the uh, Music Machine in London, in Camden. Um, I think we were. I can't remember if it was the first time we were on with I Maiden and Saxon. And uh, Shaz at that time was just my girlfriend, and um, she was at the bar, and this guy chatting her up. It was Lemmy. <laughs> she hadn't got a clue who he was. And, um, anyway, he bought her a drink and they were talking and he said, uh, asked her a name and she said, what's your name? He said, Lemmy. So he said, well, that's a silly name for a bloke. <laughs> she, she had not a, an idea who he, is, who he was. Who he was or, after that. or any, yeah. or wh- why He's, he got the name in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. But, uh, have you read his autobiography? Because if you haven't, that's uh, that's a, a really good read. It, I it absolutely is. It. Yeah, uh, like, yeah, got finding dynamite and stuff and blowing the uh, North Wales coast away. <laughs> right, but you know, I mean, everybody who's ever been in a band has got all these um, stories and anecdotes about these places. There's some. There's a place we play for my brother's birthday when he was at university this place out in the wilds of northeast england and uh the hotel had everything in it had three legs the the um the, there was a piano downstairs where we were playing and that got three legs and a brick uh steve's bed was on a brick um <laughs> he opened the, he opened the um, wardrobe door and it fell on him the wardrobe fell on him and it, it trapped him inside like a coffin that had got three legs and it was holding with a brick you know and you remember all these weird and wonderful <laughs> That's sort great. of things that happen to you uh especially in hotels it can be completely weird i mean even when we played in france it was it was weird uh we booked this hotel because it was the only one I could get at short notice. And it was an industrial estate. Um, there was a lot of car dealerships and abandoned cars everywhere. And when we got there, it looked like, um, it looked like a jail. So you've got mezzanine floors in it up to the, the second floor and, uh, everything was like tiled. It was looked like a sort of mixture of, of a, of a, a sort of, a prison sort of um, canteen or, oh, or wow. a school or a school one, you know, it was, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was cheap and it wasn't very cheerful. It was uh, dreadful. Definitely. But uh, these are, these are the things that you remember for the rest of your life. I must write a book sometime about all this. <laughs> you, sh- you should definitely do that. Uh, before we go today, I have one more question, but before we get into sure. it, uh, 
As always, links will be listed below, so please give a like, a share, and a follow to mm -hmm. uh, and Andro's uh, Witch Find and uh, Malice, all of the stuff. There will be links below, so sure. please click them. Go support in any way you can. Go buy the digital albums, go buy whatever you can to support, and just rock the fuck out. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> The question I always like to end with, because I think there's always there's always one major, is what album changed your life? Mm. That one, uh, you're going to get a hiatus on that one because I'm going to have to think. Oh. Um, it's there were so many in the early seventies that were an influence, but I will put it down as. Grand Foot Railroad live album. I think as an album, then the, the, um, Al Shea's, um, bass sound influenced me to a level that all the rest didn't. I mean, yeah, I've, I've bought Led Zeppelin to be, to, you know, uh, funnily enough, I've only got one Deep Purple album. I've got plenty of Frank, uh, I've got plenty of Captain Beefheart. I've got sort of all sorts of weird and wonderful bands from that, but that is the one I will go back to and I would play the, the second track of side one, Paranoid and Heartbreaker on side two till the vinyl wears completely out. But that one and album three, is, uh, Grand yeah, Funk Live. Yeah. Which the one from right. Right. Um, and I think what you're, yeah. I can agree with just like hearing the tone on that is just absolutely amazing. And for it to be a live yeah. album, I think, you know, in the back yeah. in the day like that, it really makes such a difference. The live albums really made a lot of bands then. Yeah. I mean, cause a lot of bands, um, were far better live than, the, than they did on album. Even, you know, I mean, take status quo. I mean, most people think, oh, you know, but live, they were totally different. People right. actually go mental. I mean, uh, they're fans of the, they used to trash places and all sorts. I mean, they were absolutely phenomenal live, but a lot of the time their, their, um, studio albums and studio records have, didn't sort of stand up the same way as that. And there have been quite a few who were like that, but, um, and then they could, of course, there was all the bands who were crap live and really bad. Um, the records could be phenomenal, but, um, yeah, I mean, but I've got, like I said, I've got so many influences. I used to like, uh, early prog rock, you know, sort of gen early Genesis with, um, Peter Gabriel. Yes. And all those sort of bands because, and of course, and then 2012 came along rush and, um, you play side one and you think, what the hell is this? Right. But, um, there is several witch find songs that were, were extremely influenced by Rush. Um, and people actually had one quote, which said that leaving the deer is the one song that Rush wished that, that they'd written. Nice. Which was a great, which was a great accolade. But, um, yeah, it's a, Hell yeah! I would still stick. I'll still stick with the Grand Funk. That's the that's the one album that got me to really to pick a bass up. I know I said about uh, Lemmy later, but that was the album that got me to pick a bass up. Definitely. See, and that's that's awesome because 
that it's that one moment in time where you absolutely knew where it was and you're like, you know what? I've got to do this. This is, yeah, it's, it, it's like it, it awakened that, yeah. that base monster. I, I was, um, it was at the same time as I bought that. I picked, I actually picked up a, a base, um, for a, a friend. He couldn't get to, he, he, you know, to pick it up and took it to his house. So I had a play on it and I'm thinking, Oh, I like this. I really, really, but it was like one of those, when I played the songs uh, on that album, it's like one of those tingly moments. You know what I mean? It's like pins and needles. It's like, wow. Um, and, yeah, it, it, it changed my life. Absolutely. It really did. And that's so great to hear. Andrew, thank you so much for coming on the show this sure. week. This has been an awesome conversation. I have had such a good time uh, talking with you and getting to know more about what's going on in the Witchfind camp and everything else. Sure. So from Give Them Hell, what do you want me to play out today? Uh, give them the one that like. Give them hell. All right. You heard him. This is... Give them hell.
Hey, thank you all for tuning into this week's episode of the Metal Forge. I want to take a minute to remind you guys about the Patreon page. Over on the Patreon page, we have the tiers set up to support the production of the show. We feature the Down and Dirty, which is just a buck. There's nothing special for that one. It just sends me a thank you because every dollar helps. Then there's the Double Down and Dirty. Much akin to the Down and Dirty tier, everything helps produce the show in the end. You make your presence known, and I appreciate that more than you realize. Thank you for being a dedicated friend and supporter to the Metal Forge. By selecting that tier, you will receive some cool Metal Forge stickers in your mailbox. Now, we're really going to start pounding the Metal Madness with the Apprentice Metalhead for just $5 a month. By becoming an Apprentice Metalhead, you'll be given early access to the shows, published 24 hours before everyone else gets it. You're also going to receive three entries in any contest that we do here at the Metal Forge. You're also going to receive a 10% discount on all Metal Forge merch, and you're going to receive a sweet Metal Forge patch for your battle jacket or backpack. And now, here is the big one. This is the Master Metalhead for just $10 a month. By becoming a Master Metalhead, you will receive a hand-numbered Metal Forge Master Metalhead membership card. You're going to be given early access to the shows as well, with 36 hours before everyone else. You're going to receive five entries in any contest that we do here at the Metal Forge. You'll be able to submit audio questions that I will use on the show of you asking questions to the upcoming guests. Remember, timing is everything, and you will need to keep up with the upcoming guest list on the website. You're also going to receive advanced knowledge of any new merch coming out and be given a 25% discount on all Metal Forge merch. And you're also going to get all of the other rewards from the other tiers. So visit patreon.com slash Metal Forge Radio today and help support the Metal Forge. Rock on. <laughs>